0: As you know, we always celebrate this birthday, January 9th of St. Josemaria, of course, at the beginning of the year, when we look upon the coming year with, with hope, wondering, all of us now, how it's going to turn out, what history will say about 2021, which we've just barely begun. We've already heard quite a bit about 2020. It wasn't the greatest of years, but uh, 2021. While well, we've only just begun it, and we can wonder if 2021 will leave a mark, or a splotch, or a stain. You know? If it's going to be a significant mark, a mark that will inspire us further to sanctity, and further to be an instrument of sanctity for others, that's what we consider as we as we celebrate today the birthday of Saint Josemaria, who was born today, and uh, back as you know, 1902. So as we Celebrate this anniversary of his birthday. Let us entrust ourselves to God in, but in particular also to his intercession, through the intercession of a duly recognized saint. He is uh, the founder of Opus Dei. He is uh, like our patron in many ways, of course, and uh, we know how God gave him grace. Uh, God gave him a very specific and unique mission in the church, and. Well, in some way he has wrapped us up in this mission, not simply because it was a historical event that took place when he was born and then later on founded Oberstey and had all that drive. But with his life and with what he inspired, something continues through history. In other words, Satosia was born today in 1902, but he continues to leave his mark. Perhaps it is not a an overt mark. Maybe it's a little bit more hidden. But the most important mark, ultimately, that he has to leave is not a physical mark like like a building or even a shrine or or something physical, but the mark of sanctity and desire for sanctity that he leaves in each one of us by his intercession, a mark that also ultimately is, is of course, God's doing, but that he was an instrument to bring about. When you think that he impelled a lot of people throughout his life, and even after his life, that is, from heaven, interceding in front of God, to in some way give themselves to God and somehow desire more ardently sanctity. Hmm? That's that's an important mark. It's a way more important mark than leaving a big building or leaving a, the legacy of a book or or a great uh, writing or, a, I don't know, a work of art like Rembrandt. or you know, Around him he inspired... Uh, Sanctity, at least desire for sanctity, struggle for sanctity. He inspired a, a deep love for Christ in others. They just saw him, and that's what he inspired. And one example of this, I mean, I'm sure we could give many examples of people like uh, Don Alvaro, who's already been beatified, or 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 Monse, or you know Guadalupe, or but one example that just occurs to me that is is a priest who died day before yesterday. His name is Javier Cremades. He died at the age of 74 years old. He was a priest of the work. Died of pulmonary disease. And um, well, he was he was ordained in 1973. He got he had studied medicine and got to know. Uh, the work, and then and then went to Rome, and was eventually ordained in 19, 1973 as a young man. And he certainly was very, very uh, enamored of uh, Jesus Christ, full of energy, full of imagination, um, and even when he, you know, he when he was in in Rome, it is said. The expression they said about him that, that I read in an article about him was read in Spanish, written in Spanish, so it's kind of hard to translate, but it is said that he had uh, mano izquierda. Tener mano izquierda. That means, it's a Spanish expression, it's hard to translate, but it, it, well, it means to be left-handed, but that's what it means literally. But it means to be able to achieve what you want through a certain... Persuasive ability, right? Um, uh, Gerrymandering yourself somehow through kind hearted persuasion. Well, if you say that about somebody, to have a left hand, he was ambidextrous, right? In that sense, he, he was able to achieve lots of good through a fine mixture of sympathetic wit, a kind of bold directness that was proper to many of the Aragonese, which is where St. Josemaria was from. And there was no obstacle that that he could not overcome. In fact, any obstacle that he faced was just another occasion to just, like, face it down. Mm -hmm. And um, our father taught him and so many others that you could just be yourself. You could be Aragonese, which is what he was, without kind of making excuses or being embarrassed about the dream of sanctity. That's what St. Josemaría like taught him, and this is the mark that our our father left on the church in somebody like Javier Cremades, and. Uh, when he was in Rome, he would meet with Saint Josemaria and others. And he apparently he loved to tell jokes. He was always one to tell a lot of jokes. And Saint Josemaria would send him out to help build uh, what was then Cava Bianca. And he had to go and meet with uh, I don't know uh, construction workers or or people who would you know sort of provide the supplies for the building of this building called Cava Bianca, which was came to be the International Seminary. And a lot of these people were in, in the Roman area of Rome called Trastevere. And uh, he just managed to negotiate with them with a sympathetic air. And he, he would just be able to win, win over the most hardened mafiosi that he could meet. You know, Not that they were all mafiosi, but, uh, but uh, he, had a, he had a great uh, sense of humor about him. He never criticized anyone, never spoke ill of anyone and eventually in the 1970s some time after he was ordained he went and became rector of the famous shrine of Torcida and uh, he 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 sort of organized a lot of things there for example the organization of i think they had something like 40 confessionals there and he would have these these days of uh, penitential days and he would recount how he would his greatest joy would be to see, you know, somebody come into the confessional and then there's this esplanade, this 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 excuse me, this square in front of the sanctuary in the sun, to see them afterwards bouncing up and down with joy and glee because they hadn't been to confession in, you know, many years and now found themselves to be back in the grace of God. You know? And uh, he loved the idea that uh, what, Saint Joseph, what uh, excuse me what uh, Pope Francis would say is that the church is like a, it's like a field hospital, you know? and there are a lot of people that are injured and in need of God's mercy. Mm. And he, as certainly as a priest, was very happy to provide that. Mm. And so well, he was a man full of uh, imagination, and then he spent a number of years there in, in, as rector of Tra' And then, I don't know in what year exactly, but uh, he was sent to, to Madrid. He worked in Madrid. And at one point, Cardinal Roku asked him, who was the Archbishop of Madrid, asked him to take over the direction of um, World Youth Day in 2011 to receive Pope Benedict and to organize the, the closing mass with two million people. And he was at the head of that. Right, And uh, he, he had all kinds of... You know wonderful ideas he he had a idea for the the structure there you know where the where the ma- closing mass was and he had an idea for example to distribute two million crucifixes beautiful little metal crucifixes that were presented in a little box that would look a lot like a medicine like a medicine like you know like the kind of pill box that you would get with um You know, it it was like a white box with red lettering, and it says, uh, This should be taken every day, or something like that. And you open it, and there's a little cross in there, and it's enveloped in a little piece of paper with instructions how to use, right? And it says, Should be kissed every day. Make sure that it is, uh, you know, anyway, it's got a whole description as though these were like, you know, how to use uh, the medicine. And the medicine, of course, was the medicine of the cross, which gives you. Uh, joy and forgiveness of sins, and and uh, I don't know something like two million of those um, crosses were distributed. It's, he said they were the cross. The cross is the medicine that cures every ailment, and um, and also he had this plan of having a kind of a, a walking rosary through the some of the famous churches of Madrid which became very popular during World Youth Day in 2011 and then continues to be popular now and people will go on a kind of touring rosary i don't know exactly how it's done but uh, you know, and and uh, sometimes his imagination was so kind of over the top that they had to like calm him down like he he thought for example for the closing mass he thought okay for the offertory you know we're going to have an offertory so we're going to have people offering you know the, the wine and the, and the water. You know. So how about we do this? He thought. Why don't we get parachuters to parachute down just at the moment with the, you know? And they said, uh, n- uh, let's just go easy on that. No, because then they could parachute down and then. Uh, and so, he, you know, he had to forego that uh, crazy idea. Obviously, you know, but uh, but that's the kind of zeal he had and in many ways. Uh, um, you know, it, as I said, it left a great mark on a lot of people right, and our founder, Saint, Asimera, invited us all to leave our mark to leave our mark and the most important mark is the mark of sanctity it 's not necessarily the mark of wit or imagination or brilliance or intelligence or you know capacity for this or that it 's it's the mark of sanctity, the mark of holiness, the drive to really be the best version of, your, of yourself. And it is something that begins with the indelible mark on my soul in baptism. And that baptism is the first kiss of the Lord, in which he tells us right from the start, you are mine, you are mine. You belong to me. Remember that, Jesus says, "You belong to me." Meus est tu. And uh, whether we are we are facing tribulation, our Lord's help is always there. Whether we are, he you know, feeling hardship, facing hardships, he is always there to defend us and to deliver us. So, today we celebrate that day simply in which St. Joseph was born. So, he was a little baby, of course. And like any b- baby, well, he couldn't do anything. He was just a baby. And so you might think, well, so what? He was a baby, yeah. Well, but just like St. John the Baptist, when he was born, everybody knew that he was born and that his mother was older and stuff. And so everybody was filled with wonder, what is this baby going to be? what is he going to turn out? That's what St. Luke says. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Something similar may have happened with St. Josemaria. I don't know if people said, what will this child be? But, uh, there was no miracle. You know, his mother was in the normal age. uh, And... uh, In fact, you could say that he was a totally normal child. Mm -hmm. Uh, The neighbors talked and wondered about his future, perhaps, but uh, all you could do, really, as a normal child, was cry, Mm -hmm. be nursed, and little else. But there was hope. Mm -hmm. And there is hope in any child. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why when we look at a child... Maybe that's why we think they're cute, right? Because cuteness is, yes, it's a reflection of their beauty. But it's also a reflection of their innocence, their dependency. They're totally dependent on their parents. But also of of the hope that they inspire. Because they're not going to be cute forever, right? So at one point they kind of cease being cute. Now, St. Maria was born into a very stable home, and that too was not his choice. God chose to put him into that very stable home. He himself, years later, said, God our Lord was preparing things so that my life would be normal and every day nothing extraordinary. He had me born in a Christian home, as was typical in my country, of exemplary parents who practiced and lived their faith. Of course, he didn't choose his parents, they were just, like, given to him. He said, or, or the, the biographer Vasquez de Prada says, Maria was born near the end of a winter's day at about 10 p.m. And he said, for this reason, he used to say, with a twinkle in his eye, that His first moments had been like the footsteps of a sleepwalker. Footsteps, 10 p.m., you're a sleepwalker. For he had begun life with the whole night ahead of him. But in saying this, he probably also was making a veiled allusion to the long night of obscurity that for years enveloped his own spiritual mission. So, of course, he was born at ten. So, you know, he had the whole night ahead of him. His mother, nursing him and all that, and but that was an image of the darkness. He couldn't see right away what God wanted of him. He was kind of in darkness. But he was in that very stable family, good family, good parents, brothers and sisters. Well, maybe you know, and and others are born, of course, into very chaotic families. And they also experience those dark nights or maybe precarious places where the parents are fighting or maybe there's an unhealthy environment or very, maybe, maybe some places people are born into very rigid attitudes or, or the child feels that he has to protect himself or she has to protect herself. And, and maybe because of that environment, she feels very fragile. And, uh, and there too, some environments can really leave a mark on a child. Sometimes a scar. Sometimes a scar. I don't know if you've read uh, Leo Tolstoy's famous novel, Anna Karenina. but most people have read the first page. If you haven't read the first page, you can do it. Just read the first page, or at least the first lines of Anna Karenina, because there's a very famous first first uh, lines that have always perplexed me, have always made me wonder as to whether or not they are true, especially coming from somebody as wise and as you know, well-known as Leo Tolstoy. The famous phrase that he begins this sort of long love of, you know, account of romantic affairs and, and the history of a family, it starts, All happy families are alike, Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way, and and then he goes on to describe the utter confusion in the Oblonsky household after uh, the main, you know, the father of the house, Oblonsky himself, has just been caught in uh, in having an affair with his French governess because his wife has discovered the letters that he wrote to her, and that for years he's been having. He's been having an affair and she's had no clue of this. Now she's discovered this and she's absolutely panicking. The kids are all over the place and, and he's supposedly contrite, but not really. And, um, and that's, how, that's how the novel begins. Mm-hmm. But is this true? All happy families are alike. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Is this true? It means that happy families have kind of mastered all the elements that lead to a happy family. So they're happy you know, in the same way. It means they have all the sort of human conditions to be happy. They have maybe faithfulness, they have financial health or, or financial stability, physical health or... or right? Uh, they have uh, good parenting, they have spiritual beliefs, uh, good relationships with the in laws. Mm-hmm. So, if you have all those things, it's like all those kind of elements of the puzzle, you have a happy family. That's what it seems to suggest. If you have all those elements, all happy families will be alike. But our father's home did not have financial stability. Did not have physical health as some of the children actually died in infancy, nor were there great relationships with the uh, in laws, that we know. But it was a happy family. The parents were, were very, well, let's say wise, they were very pious. I think it was a lot like the family of Saint Therese de Lisieux. There was pain in that family, there was hardship as there was in the family of St. Therese de Lisieux. But there was deep meaning, and there was this mark of holiness. Mm -hmm. The parents of St. Therese have been canonized, or at least beatified. I think think we could say the same about the the parents of St. Josemaria. Either way, God guides those souls too, so that those well, those scars can be accepted and transformed with faith. Because God has a plan for everybody. That's what we learned today from St. Josiah. God has a plan for every, everybody. And if he was born on January 9th, a few days later, on January 13th, during the octave of the Epiphany and, uh, and the Feast of uh, the Baptism of the Lord... Well, he was baptized in the Cathedral of Barbastro with the names that ha- had that were already uh, inscribed in the city register. That is, he was baptized with the name of José for his father and his grandfather, who had already passed away in 1894. So only six years before, and Maria, because many people baptized their children with the second name of Maria. He was also baptized under the name of Julian, that was the saint of the day in which he was born, January 9th, St. Julian. And also Mariano, which was in honor of his godfather. So he was named Jose, Maria, Julian, Mariano. I mean, his real name was Jose, just like his father. So we could call him St. Jose, but at one point he liked to keep those two names Jose and Maria like he wedged them together because of his devotion to Our Our Lady his devotion to St. Joseph he thought they should always be together And, and so well let us pray to him now so so that he intercede for us in our desire for sanctity so that so that our baptism truly leave a mark on us and that He can intercede for us so that we leave not a scar, not a you know, not a burden on others, but that we lead them to sanctity. But first we have to desire deeply that sanctity mm-hmm. using all our skills, all our savoir faire, all our human qualities, all our faith, our hope. Mm-hmm. And our and our love, our love for God. So that we too, like people like Javier Cremades and, and so many others who came encounter who encountered Saint Teresa, uh, discovered. Let's ask for his intercession, so that he will really make us desire more profoundly the the purpose of our life is to be saints. That's the purpose of our life. Anything else, you know. They, we've, we've missed the mark and we want to leave a good mark the mark of holiness and our blessed mother and Saint Joseph so Jose and Maria Joseph and Mary will intercede for us and Jose Maria as well the founder of Opus Dei will petition God that this become true for us I thank you my God for the good resolutions affections and inspirations you've communicated to me In this meditation, I ask you all to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for